Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. In this broadcast, you will be listening to two days of readings from the Scriptures. If you would like to listen every day, just go to dailyaudiotorah.com and listen in. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10:17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Exodus 7, 8 to 8, 6 Hashem said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh speaks to you and says, Produce your marvel, you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it down before Pharaoh. It shall turn into a serpent. So Moses and Aaron came before Pharaoh and did just as Hashem had commanded. Aaron cast down his rod in the presence of Pharaoh and his courtiers, and it turned into a serpent. Then Pharaoh, for his part, summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians, in turn did the same with their spells. Each cast down his rod, and they turned into serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed their rods. Yet Pharaoh's heart stiffened, and he did not heed them as Hashem had said. And Hashem said to Moses, Pharaoh is stubborn. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is coming out to the water and station yourself before him at the edge of the Nile, taking with you the rod that turned into a snake. And say to him, Hashem, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you to say, Let my people go, that they may worship me in the wilderness. But you have paid no heed until now. Thus says Hashem, By this you shall know that I am Hashem, See, I shall strike the water in the Nile with the rod that is in my hand, and it will be turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile will die. The Nile will stink, so that the Egyptians will find it impossible to drink the water of the Nile. And Hashem said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your rod and hold out your arm over the waters of Egypt, its rivers, its canals, its ponds, all its bodies of water, that they may turn to blood. There shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and stone. Moses and Aaron did just as Hashem commanded. 
he lifted up the rod and struck the water in the Nile in the sight of Pharaoh and his courtiers, and all the water in the Nile was turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died. The Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile, and there was blood throughout the land of Egypt. But when the Egyptian magicians did the same with their spells, Pharaoh's heart stiffened, and he did not heed them, as Hashem had spoken. Pharaoh turned and went into his palace, paying no regard even to this. And all the Egyptians had to dig round about the Nile for drinking water, because they could not drink the water of the Nile. When seven days had passed after Hashem struck the Nile, Hashem said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says Hashem, Let my people go, that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, then I will plague your whole country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs, and they shall come up and enter your palace, your bedchamber, and your bed, the houses of your courtiers and your people, and your ovens, and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on all your courtiers. And Hashem said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Hold out your arm with the rod over the rivers, the canals, and the ponds, and bring up the frogs on the land of Egypt. Aaron held out his arm over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same with their spells, and brought frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, and said, Plead with Hashem to remove the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to Hashem. And Moses said to Pharaoh, You may have this triumph over me. For what time shall I plead in behalf of you and your courtiers and your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses, to remain only in the Nile? For tomorrow he replied, And Moses said, As you say, that you may know that there is none like Hashem our God. Matthew 8, 1-17 When he, Yeshua, was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Yeshua put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Yeshua said to him, See that you tell no man, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony to them. And when Yeshua was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Yeshua said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Yeshua heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. 
And I say to you that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Yeshua said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And when Yeshua had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered to them. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Psalm 9, 13-20 Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. You that lift me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all your praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in your salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made, in the net which they hid as their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Higion, Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in your sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. Proverbs 3, 1-6 My son, forget not my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. I'd like to speak to you today from the verses that we've read in Proverbs. So we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And there's just some real pearls of wisdom there that I want to unpack. So it opens with, My son, forget not my law or my Torah, but let your heart keep my commandments. And there's a blessing associated to it. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. So, first of all, it's saying, let your heart keep my commandments. So, the Bible is not an external rule book where you just read the rule book and then you follow them out of just strict mechanical obedience. 
But what this is saying is engage your heart. In fact, it goes on to say, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. And that's really the whole point. When the children of Israel first came out of Egypt, and they were all camped at Mount Sinai, at the base of Mount Sinai, and then Moses went up to the top of the mountain, and he came down with the two uh, tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. Actually, this is a prophetic picture. What had the people done while he was away? They had built themselves a golden calf, and they were worshiping that. They immediately fell into idolatry. Why did that happen? Because there was still Egypt inside of them, and their hearts were hearts of stone. And the fact that the Ten Commandments were on two stone tablets is a a hint, a remiss hint, of the condition of their heart, that their heart was stone, a stony heart. What is a stony heart? A stony heart is a hardened heart. Um, it's, it's a person who has not yet been born again, who has not had their heart circumcised. So Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, says it this way. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke. Now this is referring back to Mount Sinai. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. So what what do we learn about the covenant? It's a marriage covenant. And they broke it. Verse 33. But this is the covenant, the new covenant, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law, my Torah, in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So if you've truly been born again, if you have repented of your sins and asked Yeshua to come inside and dwell within you, then you have a new heart. You're in the new covenant. Now, um, let's unpack this a little more. He says, forget not my law, let not your heart, let your heart keep my commandments. And if you do, here's the blessing. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. So I recently joined a Bible study online, and it's on Zoom, and I have a Jewish friend of mine, um, Rivka, and she's living in Israel in Efrat, just south of Jerusalem, and so she's in the middle of a war, and there's missiles and rockets going off, and you have to go to the bomb shelter, and and so she's living in a war zone, and she made a comment this week that really struck me. She you know what how do you deal with all the anxiety and the fear and the chaos um of living through something like that and she said you know have a bible study study the torah and you'll have peace that's the a coping mechanism for dealing with the stress and the trauma of war and so that's exactly what this verse is saying let not your heart forget 
but let your heart keep my commandments. And if you do, length of days, long life, and peace shall be added to you. Now, this next verse I want to take a look at. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You know, there's a lot of depth to those verses there. And for a long time, I never really understood it. How, how do you do that? How do you trust in the Lord? How do you not lean on your own understanding? And because especially we are very mental, emotional creatures. We think our thoughts, we talk about them, we try and make a plan, and we try and problem solve. And, and so what this is saying is, lean not on your own understanding. Don't go try and figure everything out and analyze it and and try to map out a, a way through a problem. So what does it mean to really trust in the Lord? It's to be childlike. It's to say, Daddy, I don't I don't understand why this happened. Or Daddy, I'm afraid. Daddy, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Or I don't know what, what I'm going to do to resolve this issue. But I look to you. I'm trusting in you. And a big element of trust is waiting. Waiting upon the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. This is letting him be God and letting him be sovereign because he is sovereign and, and waiting upon him to orchestrate through your circumstances. So the, the human tendency is when a problem falls into our lap, we, we immediately want to start trying to figure out and analyze and solve the problem and then come up with a plan and then execute the plan. That's just human nature. But what this is saying is instead, wait, pray, talk to him about the problem or the issue. Let him know this is my concern. This is my issue. And then wait. Wait and watch and watch for the hand of God to move because his hand will move and orchestrate through circumstances. He is sovereign. And so it's a little bit like, you know, in the olden days, men would open up the carriage door for a woman as she's getting out of a carriage, a horse-drawn buggy. He would open the door for her. That was just what it was to be a gentleman. But now, you know, women open up the door for themselves all the time to get into the car, to, you know, go through the door into the grocery store or whatever. You don't see men opening doors for women anymore. But I use this as an example. Yeshua is a perfect gentleman. And when he wants you to uh, go into a certain situation, he will open the door for you. He's a gentleman. So rather than you rushing ahead and opening the door yourself, it's it's much better to allow him to open the door for you, for him to orchestrate in the circumstance and for him to open the door. So, it, it, and a lot of the trust has to do with waiting, waiting upon the Lord to do those things for you, to orchestrate, and then you step through the door, rather than you just barging on through it and and doing it with your own arm of flesh. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We pray today that you will hide your word in our hearts, that it will go deep inside of us, not just in our head, 
not just intellectual knowledge, but let it pierce and penetrate and go straight into our heart. Father, circumcise our hearts. If we have any hardness of heart, would you please cut that away? Would you please tenderize and soften our hearts so that the seed, which is the word of God, will find fertile soil that has been freshly plowed and the seed can grow and take root and create a crop. We thank you for your word. We pray you'll deposit it deeply into our heart and we pray that you will increase our faith May our faith grow deeper and higher and wider, that humbly, like a child, we would depend on you and wait upon you and trust in you in each situation. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, amen. And now, please enjoy this amazing worship song, 1,000 Israelis. Musicians cry out to the heavens in a song, bring them home. It is powerful. It is passionate.
Exodus 8, 7 to 18. The frog shall retreat from you and your courtiers and your people. They shall remain only in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh's presence, and Moses cried out to Hashem in the matter of the frogs which he had inflicted upon Pharaoh. And Hashem did as Moses asked. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they piled them up in heaps till the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he became stubborn and would not heed them as Hashem had spoken. Then Hashem spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Hold out your rod and strike the dust of the earth, and it shall turn to lice throughout the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron held out his arm with the rod and struck the dust of the earth, and vermin came upon man and beast. All the dust of the earth turned to lice throughout the land of Egypt. The magicians did the like with their spells to produce lice, but they could not. The vermin remained upon man and beast. And the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of Hashem. But Pharaoh's heart stiffened, and he would not heed them as Hashem had spoken. And Hashem said to Moses, Early in the morning present yourself to Pharaoh, as he is coming out to the water, and say to him, Thus says Hashem, Let my people go, that they may worship me. Or if you do not let my people go, I will let loose swarms of insects against you and your courtiers and your people and your houses. The houses of the Egyptians and the very ground they stand on shall be filled with swarms of insects. But on that day I will set apart the region of Goshen where my people dwell, so that no swarms of insects shall be there, that you may know that I am Hashem am in the midst of the land. Matthew 8, 18-34 Now when Yeshua saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came and said to him, Master, I will follow you wherever you go. And Yeshua said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Yeshua said to him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he was come to the other side, into the country of the Gersenes, there he met two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, 
so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Yeshua, Son of God? Are you coming here to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If you cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Yeshua. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. Psalm 10, 1-15 Why do you stand far off, O Lord, and why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride does persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire, and blesses the covetous whom the Lord abhors. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Your judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffs at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places does he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He does catch the poor when he draws him into his net. He crouches and humbles himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the humble. Wherefore does the wicked condemn God? He has said in his heart, You will not require it. You have seen it, for you behold mischief and spite to requite it with your hand. The poor commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness till you find none. Proverbs 3, 7 and 8 Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Four, three, two, one. I want to speak to you today from our reading out of Exodus chapter 8, and I want to zoom in on verse 15, where it is written, And the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of Hashem. But Pharaoh's heart stiffened, and he would not heed them, as Hashem 
had spoken. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The plague of lice had theological implications for the Egyptians, as it was the first time that Pharaoh's magicians recognized the finger of Hashem. According to Rashi, this plague was also one of three reasons why Jacob made his son Joseph promise to bury him in the land of Israel. See Genesis 47, 29-31. Jacob did not want to be buried in the Egyptian soil, which would crawl with lice, as described in verse 13. Rashi further explains that when Mashiach comes and the dead are resurrected from their graves, the remains of those buried outside Eretz Israel will need to be painfully roll great distances to get to Israel. To avoid this, Joseph asks to be buried in the Holy Land. Finally, Rashi writes that Jacob did not want to be deified by the Egyptians after his death. Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch, however, suggests a fourth reason. Though he had lived in Egypt for 17 years, he longed to be back in his homeland and wanted to impress upon his descendants that the land of Israel is where they really belong. To this day, there are many who follow Jacob's example. Appreciating the value and significance of the land, they ask their descendants to bury them in Israel, even if they are unable to live there. So I have yet another reason, prophetically, why Joseph wanted his bones to be buried in the land of Israel and not in Egypt. And to understand that, we need to go to Ezekiel 37. And recall in this chapter, Ezekiel is gazing across a landscape of a whole valley of very dry, dead bones. And and God tells him to prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And surely, says the Lord to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. And it goes on to say in Ezekiel 37, verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Verse 9, And he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Now I want to pause and talk about that. That's a definition. You may wonder, well, who are these bones? Are they the Jewish people? No. They are the whole house of Israel, which includes the tribe of Judah, 
the Jews, but it also includes the ten tribes of the north, the northern kingdom, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. And the picture is they've been scattered, but God is going to ingather them and bring them all together and raise them from the dead. This has been partially fulfilled when the nation of Israel was reborn in May of 1948, and literally, out of the ashes of the Holocaust, the Jewish people who survived World War II returned to the land of Israel, and there's been a resurrection. But here is how it's a prophecy. Joseph's bones today are in a tomb in a town called, uh, well, it's called Ancient Shechem or modern-day Nablus. And Nablus sits between Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing, and Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing, down in the valley. And it is completely taken over by the Palestinians. There's a big red sign on the road that says, Do not come down this road if you are Jewish on pain of death. So only Palestinians are allowed to live in this town of Nablus, where Joseph's tomb is. Joseph's bones are a prophecy that there will one day be a time to come in the future when all the rest of us who are not Jewish but who are part of God's family will be ingathered and we will return to the land of Israel. Joseph, that that tribe became the, the tribal leader of the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom is known as the house of Joseph. It's also known as the house of Ephraim, that's Joseph's son, or it's also known as the house of Israel, while the southern kingdom is known as the house of Judah. So Joseph's bones being buried in ancient Shechem, modern Tainablus, is a prophecy that one day God is going to ingather his people and bring them home back to the land of Israel. And with that, I'm going to conclude with a beautiful worship song about Ezekiel's bones. Please enjoy. The worship song is called Come Alive, Dry Bones, and it is sung by Lauren Daigle.
Again to these dry 